Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you're well. Um, All is well on this end. And um, God is in control on his throne. Things are getting worse by the day. I don't want to become a news program, so I'm not going to tell you all that, but you have the same um, information that I have. So um, rejoice dear ones, that he has shed his love on us, poured out his love on us, that we believe that we are alive and that we have what the whole world needs. We cannot keep it to ourselves. We must not keep it to ourselves. We must know our faith um, and be able to have an answer, uh, as the Apostle Paul says, um, for the hope uh well, actually, that's Peter, for the hope that is within us to everyone who asks. Um, it's, it's, it's an enormous, enormous gift we have, our faith, and at the same time, a tremendous uh, responsibility with it to tell the whole world to know our faith. It's been a while since we returned to our book, This is the Faith by Canon Ripley, and um, I want to... Uh, go back to the section just at the beginning of the section on faith where we left off faith defined and explained uh, beloved aside from preparing for the future I, I say this um, not everybody agrees with me um, but it's not my um, assessment it's what I think is important that we should um, store up several months of food and water and have a way to cook without electricity and prepare for whatever it is that um, our Lord may bring us. Um, hold on a minute. Something something just went off. Hold on. Did our, did our camera go off, um, James? Oh, dear. All right. I don't know what happened. Let me, let me try again. Um, hold on a moment. I don't know why we went out, but we did. Let me try once again for us to connect to that to that camera. Hold on a minute. I think there it is. See, we think we have everything all set, and we don't. It was. I don't know why it went off, but there might be a day coming soon where we won't have internet or electricity. Or I think we're back on now. Okay. That's good. Blessed be God. All right, dear ones. Um, So now, on the book, um, on faith defined and explained, um, faith is a supernatural gift of God by which one chooses reasonably, listen to this, by which one chooses reasonably to believe most firmly all that God has revealed, because God must know the truth and is incapable of telling a lie. And then what Canon Ripley does for this chapter is break this completely down. Faith first is a supernatural gift. 
It's of God by which one chooses reasonably to believe most firmly all that God has revealed because, uh uh-oh, Because God must know the truth and is incapable of telling a lie. So, number one, faith is a supernatural gift. One can neither deserve nor merit it. All we can do is pray for it, hope for it, and make every effort to fulfill the conditions appointed by God. It is supernatural, that is, not essential to our nature, not ours at birth, not given for natural ends. If faith is God's gift, those who possess it are bound to thank him for it. So, dear ones, if some in your family do not believe, uh, even if you've taken them to church, your children, keep in mind that it's a gift. And let your children know that faith is a gift, and they must ask God for it. Um, He will never refuse someone who wishes to love and to honor and to serve him. Secondly, it is a supernatural gift of God. Only God can bestow it. No amount of instruction can of itself give faith. All the instructor can do is to explain it and try to help the convert by his example and his prayer. Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father who hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up on the last day. The fact that God, the Creator, the Supreme Being, and the Infinite Good is the bestower of the gift of faith shows how precious it is, how we would cherish a personal gift from an earthly king. Here we have one, from the Heavenly King. So, parents, you may bring your children to church, you may send them to CCD, but if the faith is not lived at home, you can expect them, apart from a special gift God bestows on them, you can expect them to reject the faith when they get older and maybe go off to college or work, because it's just been a religion. It has not been lived as if it's true, as if it's a true personal relationship with God for which we are grateful and for which we are responsible uh, uh, to live by. So um, if it's not lived at home, you cannot expect your children to carry it on in their own lives when they marry. Third, it is a supernatural gift of God by which one chooses. We are not compelled to believe Christ, in fact, has promised to reward our loyalty. Our Lord said, He who believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It is possible to lose the faith. Very important, beloved. It is possible to lose the faith. As an evangelical, we believed once saved, always saved. So someone could have been very zealous for the faith, and then they lost it, and therefore... Um, they concluded, uh, as uh, is true of some in First John, they went out from us because they were never of us. But that does not mean people cannot lose the faith. They can. Um, 
it is possible to lose the faith, and many have lost it, although they have been intellectually convinced of the truth. Others have refused to accept the gift of faith because of vanity or human respect or material difficulties. That is why Christ condemns unbelief. He that believeth not shall be condemned. He that believeth and is baptized, dear ones, shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Fourth, it is reasonably by which we choose reasonably to begin to to believe. Our Lord says, let us reason together. It's not mindless. Every day of our lives, we accept truth on the word of man. It is therefore reasonable for us to accept truth on the word of God. The store of the store of information any man can brand as his own without having acquired it from others. It is very small. He continually accepts truth from his fellow men. In fact, dependence on them is a law of human nature. But the higher the authority for information received, the more reasonable is the act of submission to it. God's is the highest possible authority. He is absolute infallibility itself. Once it is certain that God has spoken, it would be the height of folly to refuse to accept his word. We have more than sufficient evidence to prove that God has spoken to men. The historical facts concerning Christ and the church can be verified by reason alone, thus justifying their divine authority. Faith does not ignore reason. It presupposes reason, nor does it ever contradict reason. It teaches knowledge which is beyond, but never against the powers of reason. It guards reason, controls reason, as the laws of arithmetic control the accountant. But faith does not degrade reason any more than belief in lovely flowers degrades the blind man who cannot see them. Faith checks intellectual independence, but no more than a lighthouse checks the movements of a sailor. We choose reasonably, reasonably, easy for you to say, we choose reasonably, number five, to believe, not to think or suppose or even agree to, because a truth is fully understood and demonstrated, but to assent fully to a truth on the word of another, namely God. The telescope is sometimes used as an example of the function of faith. As in the natural order, a powerful telescope will enable us to see heavenly bodies otherwise invisible to the human eye. So faith is an additional power of spiritual sight, or rather, insight. Oh, I like that example of the telescope, beloved. There's the music for our first break, and you are welcome to call in with anything at all on your mind, uh, toll-free through this entire hour, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. 
join Father Mark Noonan in praying the Litany of Humility. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world others may increase and I may decrease, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live. I am she. And um, you are welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart um, at one eight seven seven. I had to think about that number one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross dot com. Um, we do have a caller on the line, Joan. Uh, hi, Joan. Are you there now? Yes, I am, Mother Muriam, and it's a privilege to speak to you. Thanks for calling in, dear Joan. What's on your heart, honey? Um, I was wondering if you could tell me um, what you need or what you can do to get a blessing on a civil marriage. And um, as a grandparent, should do you think it's would be good if a grandparent gave this information to the grandchild that is married outside the church. Oh, so but there are my two questions. Of course, my goodness. Yes, 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 yes. Um, the question is, um, the grandchild married outside the church, um, what is her status? Does she want to, re- does she understand that she could not receive communion and that she's living in sin? Uh, does she call herself Catholic? Um, is she married to a man 
who is baptized, all of that. Do you, do you have any of that information? Uh, I, I don't think either of them realize that they're living in sin. Um, I don't even think they actually go to church. Okay. And um, I, I forget your last question. I'm sorry. Well, just the state. Would they want to come back to the church, do you think? Would they want to have their marriage blessed in the church, which means they need to come back to the sacraments and confession? So apparently she was baptized Catholic, your grandchild, um, but her um, you don't know the status of her husband, if he was baptized or not? Her husband is baptized. and uh, um, Catholic? He is. Do you know? He is baptized in the Catholic Church. And so was she. Yeah. Right? And uh, have either of them been married before? No, no. Okay, well, how close are you to them? Um, uh, uh, how long have they been married? Uh, how, how old are they? In other words, are you able to talk to them about their Catholic faith and tell them that um, they're, they're, um, you're sure they're ignorant of this, but you love them and you care about their souls? And um, you want to help them come back into the church in which they were baptized and to have their marriage blessed, um, that they might go to heaven um, and, um, and be able to raise uh, their children in the faith. Are you able to speak to them about that? I think so. I think, I think so. Well, how long have they been married, Joan? Do you know? Four years four years and you went to that wedding no because it was in um in a courthouse all right and they they probably just um probably didn't have anyone there including their parents right um i would go if if you can meet with them in person it's the best thing and tell them you love them um, and um, you you normally would not dare to interfere with their lives um, or their marriage, but uh, it, it wouldn't be love if you did not interfere. And you need to say to them, uh, both of you were baptized Catholic, um, unless you formally reject the church, unless you formally reject your faith in Christ, and turn from him. Um, you are um, you are claiming to be Catholic, and you there is still time now um, before you start a family, or even if they already have children, to return to God, because you are not married in His sight, and you are living in fornication. Uh, because again, you are married in a court; it's illicit uh, by the state. You are married but you're not married in the eyes of God. And tell them you'll do anything you can to help them to do that, and especially if and when they have children, to, to lead them to heaven. Thank you. I think the hardest thing to do is to tell them that they're living in sin. That's the hardest thing. Well, tell them that um, they should know this, 
um, it it shouldn't be. You can say that to them that the most the, the hardest thing for me you could tell that is to tell you that you're living in sin. I don't know if you know that, and you should know it, but. God holds us accountable for what we know, not what we don't know. And he alone knows your hearts. So it may not be uh, totally willful on your part. You might have been ignorant. Uh, it, it shouldn't have happened this way, but it did. And all that matters now is that you go to God and confess what you didn't know and um, that you ran off and got married, and as far as you know, you're, you're civilly married, um, but because you were married outside the church, you don't have the sacrament of marriage, um, and uh, this world is hard enough to live in with the sacraments, let alone without them. Um, but the main thing at stake is their souls, and they can get right with God and they can return to the church of their childhood. And if they don't know their faith, you will give them books, you will help them. Um, do they have children yet, do you know? Yes, two. All right. So you need to tell them that and say, you know, your greatest responsibility as parents is to bring your children to heaven. Um, and if you're not living the faith, if you're living... Um, outside of God's blessing, if you haven't baptized, you have they baptized the children? We know that they baptized one, but we don't know about the other, and I'm afraid to ask. Okay, well, tell them that. I'm afraid to ask you, because you're adults, you need to make your own choices. Be honest with them, but say, I ask you, whether you answer me or not is your choice, but I want to let you know that the child who's not baptized is in danger of never seeing God if he or she dies. Um, the child who is baptized um, puts you in danger because when you baptize a child, you agree to raise them Catholic. And if you're not doing that, you are failing in your responsibility before God. And if you come back to the Catholic Church, the priest will help you and he will bless your marriage, which is not blessed by God now. And you will need to agree to raise your children Catholic. And there's plenty of help for that. Tell them you'll help them all the way. Where are their parents? Their parents live in another state, too. Right, but not practicing? It's kind of... They do when they don't. Okay. So they haven't had a good Catholic upbringing or background. Um, and so I would not accuse them of anything. I'd speak to them in love and say, God alone knows your heart. I don't accuse you. I'm not in the position to accuse you. But if I don't tell you the truth for your souls, for your eternal souls, and for the children that God has given you, then there's no love for me. Uh, in my heart for you. Uh, I need to tell you the truth, and I'm here to do anything I can to help you have your marriage blessed and to raise your children Catholic, um, and for all of you to be on your way to heaven. Tell them you're there to do anything you can. How far from them do you live? About five hours. Well, uh, would they receive you on a visit? Um, we, 
we're a little bit too old to be going to them. They would have to come to us. Um, and they they do visit up here every once in a while, so we do see them. And um, uh, But it, it isn't possible for us to visit them. It isn't. Any idea how soon their next visit might be? In a couple of weeks. Okay, perfect. So when they come, um, say, you know, um, we have something uh, really, really important and serious that we that's on our hearts to talk to you about and make sure somebody's there to take care of the children of their married four years their children are quite young yes um, yes so uh, have somebody there who can take care of the children and they're not present when you talk to them and sit down and and have a, a serious conversation with them that doesn't sound accusatory or judgmental or anything it's it's just out of your heart of love. Um, pretend that you are um, they're visiting you in your home, or you're in their home, whatever it is, and the house is on fire and they don't know it. And you want to say to them, "I don't want I don't want to alarm you. I don't want any." But um, the house is on fire, and um, it's only going to be a matter of time that you're going to lose your lives. Um, I know you don't smell the smoke, you know, and it, it, you, you may not think it's serious, but it's very serious. And so we ask you to hear us out on what we want to tell you. And it's totally your decision, totally between you and God, but we wish to speak with you of your faith. Do that. Don't be afraid because, and if you feel afraid to say anything, uh, you can say, you know, I'm, I'm afraid to tell you this because the last thing we want in the world is to turn you away from us or to offend you. But love offends. Faithful are the rooms of a friend and we're your grandparents and we want to see you and be with you in heaven. Um, and we should have done this sooner, but um, it, it's just so heavy on our hearts. We didn't want to wait any longer. Thank you, Mother Miriam. Thank you. All right. And get a, um, be prepared to give them something when they leave. So um, uh, give them the catechism or um, give them instructions on um, how to return to the church, um, what to do. Just say to them, you know, when you go home, um, just go to a Catholic church and talk to the priest and tell them you're you're both baptized Catholics, but you've been away from the church. Your marriage is uh, civil in a court, and um, you've got two children. One is baptized, um, and just find a good priest who will truly help you. Thank you so much. Okay, tell them there's absolutely nothing to fear. It's in the love of God. They're giving themselves to one who died for them out of love for them. There is nothing to fear. Okay, be very gentle with them, but don't omit anything. Okay, Thank Joe? You. All right, sweetheart. Uh, there's the music for our second break, beloved. Feel free to call in during the break, even with anything on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com and we'll be right back.
Are you holding on to an old car or truck because you think dealers won't want it? Then consider donating it to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. This is a great way to turn your unvalued vehicle into a powerful gift for Catholic Radio. You'll be taking part in our evangelization efforts to continue spreading Christ's love throughout the world. Our Lord uses Catholic Radio to draw more people to Himself, and one of the best ways to support the Station of the Cross is by contributing to our vehicle donation program. The process is safe and simple. Your generosity will greatly benefit our mission to bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners. To find out more or to donate your vehicle today, visit thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-866-628-2277. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, again, we have a whole half hour to ourselves, and you are welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. Um, let me go back just for a little bit to finish this one note, um, uh, number five, of what faith is about. Let me get to that definition again. Hold on. Um, uh, faith is a supernatural gift of God by which one chooses reasonably to believe most firmly all that God has revealed because God must know the truth and is incapable of telling a lie. God is truth. So first, it's a supernatural gift. Secondly, it's of God. Third, by which one chooses. Um, Fourth, chooses reasonably and chooses reasonably to believe. Um, not to think or suppose or even agree to, because a truth is fully understood and demonstrated. So we don't think, we don't believe it, um, or just agree to it, rather, because we fully understand it and, and it's been demonstrated. But to assent fully to a truth on the word of another, namely God. Even if we don't fully understand, we believe 
um, and it gave the example of the telescope, is sometimes used as an example of the function of faith. As in the natural order, a powerful telescope will enable us to see heavenly bodies otherwise invisible to the human eye. And so faith is an additional power of spiritual sight, or rather insight. It brings an interior conviction about the reality and a new appreciation of the significance of spiritual truths. One who believes finds that these truths impress him ever more deeply. Faith is not, as Luther said, mere trust in the fidelity of God to keep his promises. No. St. Paul describes faith as evidence and speaks of faith as bringing into captivity every understanding unto the obedience of Christ. Six, we believe six most firmly. It is to be expected that many of the things which God reveals are beyond reason. Nature is full of mysteries. The seed, for instance, falling to the ground and in a few years growing into a great tree, and it is certainly as reasonable to expect mysteries in religion as it is to expect them in nature or physical science. Indeed, if religion had no mysteries and were perfectly and fully comprehensible, it is its divine origin would be open to suspicion. What can be fully proved from reason might well have been discovered by reason. doesn't have to be a gift. Belief in mysteries tends to vastly tends vastly to increase our reverence for God. When a child is afraid to go out in the dark, its father says, "Give me your hand and come with me." The child is satisfied. It does not ask for a scientific explanation of the darkness. <clears throat> so we ought not to wish to understand the impenetrable mysteries of God. He is love, wisdom, and goodness. We put our hand in his, knowing he cannot lead us astray. And number seven, to believe all that God has revealed It is the fashion nowadays outside the Catholic Church to pick and choose one's beliefs. And I'm going to add to that, it's it's the the awful fashion within the Catholic Church to pick and choose one's beliefs. I've said it before and I say it now in the context of this chapter here we're reading. Um, If you say, I'm Catholic and I believe everything but this one thing, if this one thing, whatever it is that you don't believe is infallible truth taught by the Catholic Church to the magisterium, and you don't believe it, you are not Catholic. You are Protestant. You are Protestant. You protest that belief. You can say, I believe it because the Catholic Church teaches it, but I don't understand it. That's fine. There are mysteries. And we can come to understand the truths. But to say, I don't believe it because I don't understand it or it doesn't make sense to me, then you put yourself above God. You will not believe what he's revealed. It has to be um, uh, okayed by you. So no, that means you're not Catholic. We must believe all that God has revealed. All of God's revelation must be accepted. All. 99.99% makes you Protestant. Only 100% makes you Catholic. 
any other course is unreasonable. The Catholic Church never panders to the fashion of the moment in the belief she demands of her children. She stands always by what reason proves to be divine revelation. And from it, she will never deviate by one hair's breadth. Number eight, we believe all that God has revealed. Number seven, number eight, because God knows the truth and could not tell a lie. He is all truth. And so we must believe all he has chosen to reveal. Thus, a Catholic should be entire. It must embrace every article of faith without exception. Firm, it is not accepted as one would accept a mere opinion, but as one believing in absolute certainty without hesitation. And steadfast. Faith is accepted in spite of all difficulties and opposition and at the cost of any sacrifice. Our Catholic faith should be entire, firm, steadfast, and living. Faith is active and effectual, the basis of life, and finally, it is supernatural. Faith has God as its source, its end, and its motive. He goes on to talk about the convert's first act of faith. And I would extend this to uh, any Catholic who has not studied their faith since childhood or who doesn't know their faith. In order to dispose himself for the reception of the gift of faith, the convert, or again, those who have been away from the church and have lost their faith, should strive especially after the following. Number one, prayerfulness. James says, but if any of you want wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men abundantly, and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him. Prayer is necessary in order to obtain the gift of faith. But faith is not necessary for prayer. Did you hear that? Prayer is necessary for faith. But faith is not necessary for prayer. Prayer is the act of a rational being who knows by pure reason that he is a creature of a supreme being on whom he is entirely dependent. Particularly during the period of instruction, the convert, or I should say revert, must pray for the gift of faith. Secondly, humility. James writes, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. The convert, or again, the one returning to the faith, will try to understand his own infirmity, his incapacity to discover all religious truth by unaided reason, the weakness of his will, and his tendency to evil. The humble man seeks God. The proud man expects God to seek him, to allow him to a judge of God's revelation according to his own arrogance. The humble man is conscious of the great privilege he is receiving in being instructed in the true faith with a view to reception into the church. The proud man thinks he is conferring a favor on the church by entering the fold. Isn't that unthinkable? But I know 
with people that is true. Thirdly, pardon me, (laughs) the convert or the revert or the one striving to grow in faith must have earnestness and conscientiousness. He must use all diligence to ascertain the truth and be willing to accept it in spite of former notions or prejudices and the habits of a lifetime and in spite of the additional, sometimes even irksome, duties it will entail. Fourth, he must have cleanness of heart. A special effort should be made during the period of instructions to lead a good life and check indulgence of the passions. For unchristian conduct is one of the greatest obstacles to Christian belief. Fifth, he must have sorrow for sin. One of the greatest obstacles in the way of receiving the gift of faith from God is dishonesty with oneself, deceiving one's conscience into denying that one has ever done evil. It is important that one who aspires to become a Catholic be trained early in the practice of the ready acknowledgement of his guilt before God and the expression of his sorrow. Our Lord says through the Apostle John, for everyone that doth evil hateth the light and cometh not to the light that his works may not be reproved. God threatens, woe to you that call evil good and good evil. Pardon me. Woe to you that don't sleep enough at night. You long through the, you went through the radio program. <laughs> My apologies. Woe to you that call evil good and good evil. That is to those who deny that sin is sin. There are people who do wrong. They know it is wrong and yet lull themselves into the comfortable feeling that it is not wrong and that they are really virtuous. God will be repelled by such an attitude of mind. Christ said that he came to call sinners to repentance. All are not expected to be saints when they come to religion, but all are expected to admit, at least before God, that they have known the touch of evil and need God's forgiveness. Faith is the gift of God and of God alone, yet God expects us to do our part. St. Augustine said, He who made you without you will not save you without you. When I read um, that Christ said he came to call uh, sinners, Uh, to repentance, not the righteous, but sinners. Um, It reminds me of a story I did tell in the past, but I think it's been a while. I spent 10 years in my Protestant years as a women's jail chaplain, and I had gotten to a new jail facility in Lancaster. Pardon me, Lancaster, California. And I was just filling in for the chaplain, the regular chaplain who had become ill, and I went to lunch in the officer's lunchroom, um, big place, and uh, by myself, I took my Bible. Uh, I never, as a Protestant, I never went anywhere without my sword. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. 
and I was sitting and eating alone when a a sergeant came by my table, tall, thin fellow, and he looked down at me and he said, you're the new chaplain in town. And I looked at him and I said, yes. And he said, can I, can I join you? And I said, certainly. He had already eaten. I was still eating. And he said, you people, you people. Well, I'm going to tell you when we come back from the break. It's quite a story. Um, you feel free, dear ones, to call in with anything on your heart during the break. Toll free. One eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We'll be right back. air portion of our 2022 spring appeal is over but we're still looking for your help consider supporting the station of the cross with a financial gift as an apostles club supporter with your gift of $1,560 or $130 per month you'll receive a holy family tapestry this woven tapestry reflects a lovely image of Christ with his mother and Saint Joseph you'll also receive a house of Nazareth plaque icon a holy family rosary holy water a booklet entitled how to pray the rosary and a holy family magnet to donate call 1-877-711-8500 go to the station of the cross.com use the donation page of your i catholic radio app or return the envelope from our recent spring appeal mailing that's 1-877-711-8500 or the station of the cross.com may god richly bless you for your generosity This is a segment about small Catholic innovations that made a huge impact from the OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation. Long before Wimbledon, a group of Catholic monks in 12th century France were taking a break in their courtyard. I imagine it went something like this. A monk, I'll call him Brother Leo, shouts, Take this, Brother John. He tosses a ball to Brother John. And Brother John, a little startled, swings his hand, smacks the ball back, yelling, Take this, Brother Leo. On and on they play until their superior comes marching out yelling, What are you two doing? Brother Leo replies, Ah, it was just a game of take this. But in French, the word for take this is tenez. So that may not be the actual story, but you can thank Catholic Innovation for tennis. Learn more about what OSV Institute is doing to inspire and encourage Catholic innovation at osvinstitute.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. This is our last segment. We have about 10 minutes Um 
uh, left, and um, you are welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Our lines are open, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have a call from Marguerite in Massachusetts. Hi, Marguerite. Hello, how are you, Mother Angelica? I listen to you every day, and I like uh, your show. Uh, you're you, calling me you Mother Angelica. Your... I'm oh, Mother sorry. Miriam. It's okay. We all Miriam. love Mother Angelica. Yes, I don't um, mind that mix-up at all. Um, hi, you. Marguerite. I just want to say that the, the patron saint for all of unbaptized babies is uh, Infant of Prague. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, so you're calling in to give us that information. Well, I didn't know that. Yes. No, I didn't, but you're always looking up on the computer to see Yeah, for sure. Infinite Prague. Excellent. I'm oh, I, sure I, it is, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure, you know? Yeah, no, that's okay. But, you know, we can... Uh, we can pray to to all the John the Baptist, you know, uh, Philomena, and many saints, and and um, uh, but sure, the infant of Prague. I, I think that he'd be a wonderful uh, our Lord Himself to pray to. I think it'd be wonderful to pray. You mean for all unbaptized babies? Yeah, it is. It is something living- because of. Mm-hmm. I, I remember being in the presence of a baptism and it was taking place as my young niece about 45 years ago. And I could see the difference in her just before the baptism. She was one plain baby that was kind of sleeping and not too bright. But right after that baptism, she kind of woke up and she started to become very alert like she was older in wow. the months that she was. You know, it's incredible. Yeah, that's very, very wonderful, Marguerite. God bless you, and maybe an encouragement to um, anybody, any mother, any father, who has not baptized their child, if that child is still at home, no matter the age, it's never, ever too late. Um, I was 51 years old. No, that's not true. I was 33 when I was baptized, 33. Uh, It's never, ever, ever too late, unless we're no longer alive, then it's too late. But um, that's a good call, Marguerite. God bless you. Thanks so much, sweetheart. And we have an email from uh, Catriona who says, Hello, Mother. I've just found you and less recently the Latin Mass as a New Zealander. Living in a rabidly Novus Ordo diocese, I'm finding it increasingly difficult to receive our Lord on the tongue as it is forbidden by our Cardinal. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. And although our pre- no Cardinal should forbid it, no Cardinal, no Pope, no priest, no one should forbid communion on the tongue. It is the norm for the church, and no one should forbid that. Um, And um, Catriona says, and although our priests sometimes do give me communion on the tongue, they are being increasingly challenged by some of the laity. Well, let them be challenged by the laity, but let them do what is right. She says, what do you suggest I do? At the moment I go to Mass, read from a traditional missal, and make a spiritual communion when communion on the tongue looks doubtful. Thankfully, we have a Latin Mass. It's SSPX every third Sunday. Well, 
I wish it were other than SSPX because they are in schism uh, as far as um, the official standing of SSPX uh, that I understand from Cardinal Raymond Leo Burke um, that they are yet in schism. Um, she said, I think most of these Latin Mass goers only attend this Mass and don't go to any Novus Ordo Mass. Should I do the same? I do feel that by going to the Novus Ordo Mass, I can make reparation by adhering to traditional practices for its duration, such as silence and prayer for preparation of Mass, kneeling, receiving our Lord on the tongue when I can, reading from a traditional missal, silence and prayer for at least 15 minutes after Mass. Should I carry on with this practice or just attend the Latin Mass every third Sunday? Yours sincerely, Catriona. Uh, Catriona, in your shoes, I would attend the Novus Ordo Masses, and I would um, find what Novus Ordo Mass, what priest will uh, serve me communion on the tongue, even if I have to come up to him after Mass. I would do that. Um, and then I would attend that Novus Ordo Mass. Um, uh, and and do everything, uh, but f- the mass is valid. The Novus Ordo Mass is valid, and um, I think you should follow it and pray. If you want to do additional things, that's fine. Um, but um, I, I would do that if I were you, rather than being away from our Lord, except for once a month. We have an email from Patty. And Patty says, Dear Mother Miriam, I hope you're doing well. I appreciate you and your wonderful ministry of comfort and encouragement. Thank you, Patty. Patty writes, I'd like to ask your opinion on this matter. My grandchildren have essentially disowned me and my side of the family. They are 16 and 17. My son and their mother had a terrible divorce, complete with court appearances. Their mother did everything she could to alienate her children from their father and his family. Pardon me. From their father and his family, especially me, because I refused to join her in her efforts to sever my son's parental rights. Praise God, she did not succeed, and my son was miraculously delivered from losing his children. When my former daughter-in-law lost the court battle, she intensified the emotional battle. Until now, she has succeeded in completely turning the kids against their father and against us, their grandparents. They will not return our calls, text, or emails. They do not acknowledge the gifts we send them. Moreover, with her mother's active encouragement, um, such as, do you think you might be gay? What does that mean? With her mother's active encouragement, in other words, her mother is asking her daughter if she thinks she might be gay. Our granddaughter has just announced to her father that she identifies as a boy, oh my, and has asked him to call her by the male name she has chosen and to use male pronouns. Her mother is helping her with the physical transformation in the form of chest binding buying her boy's clothes, and letting her shave her head. During all these years, I've maintained a great card ministry to my grandchildren. I've sent them cards with money or little gifts for every holiday and birthday. 
we buy them Christmas presents and mail them since they will not come over to our house. But now that they're cut off, should I continue my ministry to them or just stop? Thank you, as always, for all you do for his kingdom. God bless you. Love, Patty. Um, Patty, uh, it's just about the end of our program here. Um, I would continue your card ministry to them, but I would change it. I would write your, um, um, your, your grief at being separated from them and their being separated from you um, and their grief at um, uh, the fact, again, your, that your grandson... Um, that he wants to, that she rather, granddaughter, wants to be a boy. Um, I would tell her that she's a beautiful girl. I might send her uh, a book with that card um, to show her, to teach her about gender identity and how beautiful and fearfully wonderful she is made. Uh, Psalm 139. Try to build up a friendship with them and love and um, keep keep truth in your in your correspondence with them. God bless you all, and we'll be back, God willing, tomorrow.